All right, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about metamors. And a lot of people come to us and they're like, my partner and I are having all these problems in our relationship that my metamor is causing. And here's the truth. If that's where you're at, that's completely not true because your metamor has no control over the relationship between you and your partner. So if you feel like your metamor is in control of your relationship, either you or your partner are doing something wrong. So we're going to talk about how, that, how all that works. Stay tuned. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. Here at Touch of Flavor, we teach non-monogamous folks how to overcome their obstacles and build thriving relationships. This podcast is about answering one question. How do you create loving, passionate, secure relationships outside the box, even if nothing has ever worked before? If you want to know the answer, you are in the right place. All of this information is 100% free. So please subscribe to and review our podcast. All right. So hello, hello, everybody. We're back. And we wanted to start trying to bring back the host chat. Um, behind the scenes here, a lot of you who are listening to the podcast may not know, but sometime in maybe October, November, we started also publishing the Touch of Flavor show to YouTube. And with that, like with YouTube, YouTube's very different in that you know, like if somebody's Googling, like getting started with polyamory or something and they're coming to YouTube, they don't want to hear us go on for 10 minutes about our family first. Um, and we've kind of gotten out of the habit of doing a host chat, but we know from a lot of you listeners that you really like that. And we want to bring it back. And what I think we're going to try and do is we're going to record the host chat separately. And then it'll obviously all be in the podcast. We're going to re record the host chat uh, a little separately from the video or not so much record it separately, but upload it separately to YouTube at least. So, you know, the podcast will have that normal format that people used to get of the host chat and then the show. And then on YouTube, we'll have the shows, but then we'll also have a little section of the host chats, at least as long as people like it. If they don't like it on YouTube, we'll just keep it on the podcast. I guess we'll see. But with that, Cassie, you want to talk about what's been going on in life and why it's been a week? So, uh, we, we missed a week of episodes. So, yes, we, we got COVID <laughs> a little after the new year. Um, and oh, oh, Which is so frustrating because we've been so careful. And it was yeah. going to happen eventually. But, like, we've been so careful. Yeah. We, 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 we mask up. We're vaccinated. We still social distance aside for, like, certain friends and things like that. So it's like... Did all the things, still got COVID. Omicron got us. <laughs> and, and in a rough way, too. It was not, it's not been pleasant. Um, and I feel so bad for the little, the little lion. She, you know, obviously little person does not understand illness. Um, and uh, it, it definitely did not, uh, didn't go well with the whole tummy problems that she had with it. Like, she was just like, no more poop, no more pooping. Um, so yeah, it was a bit rough, but that's why we look a little drained and we missed the podcast. We were like, I was like, Cassie, you look pale. Like what's going on? I can't get the camera settings right. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually that pale. Never um, mind. <laughs> it is not um. a camera setting. <laughs> um, so, but we're back. We're feeling much better than we were. Yeah, um, so we got sick about what um, our whole polycule. I mean, we got sick maybe two days after the new year. Two days after the new year, we still don't actually know how we got sick. Um, we got sick. Little lions, bubble buddies got sick. Yeah. Um, but we all got sick like maybe two days after the new year. And then Cassie, you, you and Amanda got it first real bad, and then the little lion got it, and then Mancup and I kind of got it lastish. See, I think. The little lion had it first. I think she just didn't have like the severe, more severe symptoms because she was kind of like for like a couple of days before me and Amanda showed up was mm. kind of not eating good and like cranky and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's and, and not fun, even vaccinated, not fun. Um, but with that being said, so we're kind of on the upswing. We kind of. As of maybe a few days ago, um, I think. And so it was what, what maybe like, God, 
almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're kind of back on the upswing now. But what I will say was really cool. So, you know, obviously um, with having COVID, like, you know, we're sick. We lost a lot of the normal support that we have. Um, you know, little lion's grandfather, Cassie's dad comes over and watches the little lion, you know, a couple of days a week during work time. And, um, you know, we have some other help we bring in to help with little lion during work time and just some other things. And we, uh, we lost our, the support that we typically have. Um, but what was really, I mean, cool <laughs> was that with having the family, like we were able to really, it was so much better than it would have been otherwise. Like we, like the first couple of days you and Amanda were really sick. I took quite a bit of time off work and like took the lion and played with her and stuff like that. And, and so did big bro. Big bro helped out. Big bro helped out quite a bit. And then I started feeling better for a little while. It was kind of funny for me because I felt better while Amanda was still sick. And then I was like handling the baby for like two, three days. And then it hit me like real bad for like three days. Um, and then like that's when you started feeling sick too. So then Amanda kind of picked up. So having the the, the polyhule that we had, we got to kind of trade off who was like entertaining baby and um taking more of the house responsibilities and things like that through that whole process. We still support people to like drop groceries on the porch and stuff like that. So um, it has been interesting. I, I will say, and you know, this is one thing I know we talk to people about, but just, you know, it's, it's easy to have relationships that go pretty well when things are smooth mm-hmm. in life. Um, but it's when things are, rough that you really appreciate that support Mm -hmm. and it's you know we we talk so much about building like healthy relationships and 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 you want your relationships in good order for when life things happen like this stuff (laughs) happens like we are all maybe it's not omicron right but like all of us are going to get sick all of us are going to have things in our lives that are going to go not as planned, not the way we like them. And having your relationships in a good, thriving place gets you through that. Like it's it's amazing the difference when you and your partners and metamors are able to support each other in a positive way through life's difficulties versus when there's already those uh you know, uh, jealousy and, and resentment or other arguments and disconnection going on. Um, you can really face anything that life throws at you when your relationships are in a good place. Now, here's the other portion of this, Cassie, as mm-hmm. far as getting better, though. So mm-hmm. we haven't had sex in like two weeks now. How you doing? Not great. I started having a lot of sex dreams. Um, but like, seriously, like I, I've been like having like so many sex dreams. I think I told you the other day, I was like, I woke up, but I was like, I must've had like through the night because I was still like waking up from fevers and stuff. But like through the, through the night, I must've had like four sex dreams. Um, and they were all like bonkers, but really hot and amazing. So, um, I'm doing okay. I have not, I have not lost my cool yet. So I'm doing pretty good with that. Um, but yeah, the sexy time needs to come back. Um, I was just thinking, I was like, yesterday, I was just not <laughs> quite there yet. Today, I am, I am, I am over the hump of like, ugh, like, so, um, yeah, I am, I am ready to get back to my normal friskiness because it's been, it's been a thing. Although I have to tell you, there was like five days during the whole COVID thing where like, Nope. No, there was like not even thoughts of sexiness. I was. That's just how like, you know Cassie's sick. Yeah, that's how you know I am sick is when it's like <laughs> it's been five days and I'm like, sex what? <laughs> so, um, yeah. But back to almost normal now. Yeah. All right. So I think with that, anything else you want to throw in? Little Lion's doing amazing. I think we may bring Amanda on here. In a little bit. I was thinking we could start doing like an update from the polycule, like maybe once a month. I know people really like those. Yeah. And I know, 
you know, Amanda doesn't like getting on so much for the teaching episodes, mm-hmm. but I was thinking we could just like maybe once a month, just we'd have to sort the yeah setup out for YouTube, but just come in and do like an update from the polycule. I think that'd be awesome. I know, I know Amanda loves when we just have her come on and do like more of the chatting stuff mm-hmm. and talking about our family. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So I, I would love that. Yeah. Okay. So I think we'll do that, but we're going to start getting back to this. Like I said, we're going to put these back into the podcast episodes. We're going to see how these go on YouTube as far as the host chats. Maybe people like them. Maybe they don't. And if they don't, then it'll just be for you. Then it'll just be for the podcast listeners. Mm -hmm. Right. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. So all right, everybody with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the host chat and move on. All right, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about metamors. So much talk about metamors in non-monogamy. And for those who don't know, Cassie, would you like to explain what a metamor is? Yeah. So a metamor, simply put, is your partner's other partner that you don't share. And I always like to specify that because folks are like, well, what about partners we share? Well, that would be your partner too not a metamor, right? So, um, it is a a partner that your partner has that, uh, that's your partner's other partner. That's it. Yeah. So Cassie has a partner who, uh, who I'm not partners with. That's my metamor. Right now, obviously metamors are a super hot topic and, you know, people talk about the metamors, they want to get along with their metamors. But one thing that we hear a lot is when people are running into problems in their relationships, that they feel like are being caused by their metamors. Yeah. So folks will, you know, when we talk to folks, we hear them say things like, you know, my metamor is causing me and my partner not to get time together. My metamor is creating disconnection in the relationship that I have with my partner. Uh, they're disrespecting me and therefore causing problems in uh, our polycule. So it's this, this idea that the metamor is creating the problems. And there's also a lot of this place of, you know, well, my partner's not being cooperative with me, you know, and it's my metamor's fault. If my metamor was just easier to get along with and they weren't pushing them and they weren't this and they weren't that, then my partner and I would be getting along better. My partner would be treating better. My partner would be more cooperative. And our metamors kind of become like the boogeyman, right? They kind of become like the boogeyman who get blamed for all of the problems that we have going on. Keep in mind that we have going on in our relationship. So if I'm not getting the number of date nights I want, that's not my metamors fault. If, like I said, this other person is disrespecting me, that's their fault. Um, if, you know, now, Cassie is going and, um, you know, having this amazing connection with somebody else. And I'm not feeling like I'm getting my needs met. Well, that's my metamorphs fault. And for a lot of people, you know, some of these, and this is what's so interesting about this. You may be listening to this and some of these may be like, well, no, of course it's not my metamorph. And then others of these, you might be like, yeah, that's absolutely my metamorph. Not everybody, you know, looks at all of these things and says, oh, it's my metamorphs fault. But a lot of people look at some of these things and think that they're the metamor's fault. And as I said, the metamor becomes the boogeyman, right? They become the one whose fault it is that our relationship with our partner is not where we want it to be. Yeah, and there's a good reason why this happens. It's easier, right? It's really... Uh, easy to uh, blame it on that boogeyman that you're talking about, the other person that I don't deal with, the person who isn't my partner, right? So we do do that. And we think that, you know, this, this person over there has control and has this and has that. And we get to uh, avoid some of the things that are going on in our relationship by doing that. Yeah, it, it's easier, right? It's easier to blame our metamors. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that when it's our metamors fault, it isn't my fault and I don't have to do anything about it. This isn't about me, right? And that's something we see sometimes. What we see more often, and this is what's really interesting, is if it's my metamors fault, I don't have to blame you, Mm -hmm. right? 
So if Cassie has a metamorph and, you know, she's now spending a bunch of time with that person and I'm not getting the time I need, of course that's Cassie's decision where she's spending her time. But rather than be like, oh, you know, my partner doesn't care enough to spend the time with me or my partner isn't considered enough to spend the time with me, it's so much easier to go, it's my metamorph's fault for being so needy and needing so much and demanding so much and pressuring Cassie. And the thing with that is it's pretty natural because Cassie and I have to get along, right? So of course it's easier for me if I'm pissed off and angry and hurt to project that on somebody else who's not here because it makes it easier for us to get along. But it doesn't help. Yeah. Was there something you wanted to throw in there? Um, I just wanted to, when you were first saying it, you said if Cassie has a metaphor, you meant if Cassie has a partner and you have a metaphor. Yes, if Cassie has a partner, yeah. I have a metaphor, <laughs> right? But it's really easy. And we do this kind of stuff all the time. And most of the time we do it without even realizing that we're doing it. But it's much easier, like I said, to blame another person than ourselves, but even more so to blame another person than our partner. Because like I said, if Cassie's not spending enough time with me, well, I've got to live with her and I've got to deal with her. So if I'm upset with her, that's going to impact our relationship. But if I can be upset at this outside person, well, now we can get along just fine. So people project. And I know you had mentioned when we were talking about this, Cassie, also that there's a myth that like everything would just be better if. Yeah. And... The myth is, if if me and my metamor just got along, if we were just buddies, if we were just friends, if they were just more friendly, everything would be okay. And here's the thing. I know for a lot of us who are non-monogamous, we love this idea of having a polycule or like that kitchen table poly situation and sitting down. But your metamor not being your bestie <coughs> isn't the problem. That isn't what's causing the friction in you and your partner's relationship. Yeah. So, and by the way, folks, I'm just going to break for one second. If we're take a second to cough or whatever, we're our household, our, our polycule is recovering from COVID if you didn't hear the host chat. So uh, there may be some coughing here or there, but we <laughs> wanted to get back in front of you and talk about some things that needed to be talked about. So we make our, our, our metamorph the boogeyman. We blame the problems in our relationship on our metamors. And again, it's easy to see why we do that. But when we do that, when we blame our metamors for the problems that are going on between us, what problems does that thing cause? Where does that thing go? And there's a lot of them. Yeah, the first is it creates a rivalry that didn't need to exist between you and your metamor. And a lot of times when we're, we're, we're saying, oh, it's my metamor, it's their fault, then it creates this, this animosity between you and your metamor that really didn't need to be created in the first place. And that puts the shared partner, the hinge partner, in a really poor situation because now they're hearing you talk about someone else that they care about. They're hearing negative things from you about somebody else they care about. Um, and it puts them in a position where a lot of times they have to choose, right? They have to, to choose to agree with you that this other person's a bad person or doing the wrong thing or choose them and tell you they're not doing things. Well, a lot of times that turns into an ultimatum too, right? An ultimatum to break up with this person because here's the thing. If Cassie has another partner, right? And all this stuff's going on and it isn't our fault. It isn't our fault that we're not spending time together. It isn't our fault that we feel disconnected. It's this person over here and how awful they are and how they're just the wrong person or whatever. Well, then the solution to that's super obvious. You get rid of them, right? The problem is, of course, that you know we're going to wind up either in these same problems without that person there or there's going to be another person there we're going to have these same problems. But that becomes a thing. And a lot of times when when a metamorph is getting blamed, it turns into an ultimatum. And I want to throw one other thing out here, Cassie, that I don't think we've talked about yet in this. <laughs> We're talking about this primarily from the standpoint of me looking at my metamorph and going, they're the problem, right? If only we could get along, if only they weren't here or whatever. But I just want to add, a lot of times we also see this where the hinge partner 
does the same thing. It's just worded a little differently. Can I show? Yeah. Josh, I'm sorry. I I can't spend time with you. Rebecca keeps saying that I have to come over. And if I don't go over there, you know, there's going to be problems. She's got so much going on. And you know how that impacts me when I'm here with you. And I'm stressed out about Rebecca and not spending time with Rebecca. Or, yes. So that's that's definitely like on the micro level. But on the macro level, it looks a lot like, okay, well, you know, I just, if you two would just get along, everything would be fine. Right, really, like there's no, there there aren't any real problems here at all. Actually, if you two would just get along with each other, everything would be cool. And this all falls under the same shared delusion, right? Uh, this all falls under the same thing, though, about that, you know, that it, it the power somehow lies with this, uh, the power in our relationship somehow lies with this other person, Right. So, but you do wind up in a lot of situations with ultimatums. That, that's definitely one thing that happens. Um, and by the way, if you are that person who is, you're the hinge partner and your answer to the problems and the way you're explaining that to your partner is just, oh, it's this other person. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, if you two would just get along. Understand that you're putting yourself in a position where the thing that makes sense for them to do is be like, well, clearly that's an awful person. I'm not going to be here if they are. Right? You're... You're feeding the boogeyman story. You're feeding the boogeyman story and you're, you're putting yourself in a position where that ultimatum becomes something that makes sense for your partners to do. So definitely don't do that. But here's the other thing, you know, beyond just creating rivalry and leading to ultimatums and all that, you're really giving up your power in your own relationships and your agency in your own relationships and your control over what your family and your relationship and your future looks like. Cass and I have been together for lots of years. 17. 17 years. Do you know how often I'm talking to people in college? Like, how long have you and Cass been together? I'm like, Ur. <laughs> Glad she's not here right now. 17 years. <laughs> right? Cass and I have been together 17 years. Um, if all the dreams that we have in the future that we built in the family we've built and the life we've built together depends on some other person coming in, there's something very wrong there. And this isn't just a couple's thing, right? That's just true in general. The, the power for this relationship, it should never extend to somebody who's not in this relationship. When people are talking about hierarchy, and I don't like using that term because it's a term that people use in a lot of different ways, right? But really at the root of it, when you look at hierarchy, what hierarchy, what a lot of people mean when they use hierarchy in a negative sense is somebody who's not in this relationship has power over this relationship. That's what, that's what that looks like. And whether you like the word hierarchy or not, that isn't really the point. The point is, is that you should never be in a situation where the control over your relationship with somebody relies on somebody who you're not in relation to. You want to add anything there? I mean, what that means is, is that the partner, the shared partner, needs to make sure they're managing that relationship. Like that's what that comes down to. Well, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and the two of you need to manage your own relationship, mm -hmm. right? But I just want you to understand that when you're making your man more the boogeyman, that may be convenient and it may in the moment feel better between you two. Right In the moment, it may feel better to blame this third person. And this is a really a, a avoiding a little bit of pain now for a lot more pain later problem. Because in the moment, we might get along a little better if I don't come to you like, hey, here's there's a problem between us and we need to fix it. We may get along better if I'm like, hey, there's this other person who's a problem. Like in the short term, that may happen, right? Because we don't need to even do anything or argue and I don't need to be upset with you about it. It's not your fault. It's somebody else's. <coughs> and, and in the short term, that's easier. But in the long term, you are putting 
the control of your relationship, the course of your relationship, the course of the future between this dyad or this group or whatever, depending on what stuff looks like, in the hands of somebody who's not a part of it. And you're losing your own agency. Because if this isn't between you two and it's about your metamor, you have no control over that except to get rid of them. And so you completely lose your own agency in this relationship of building the kind of relationship that you want because the only agency you have is to leave. You can't fix anything because it isn't about you two. It's about somebody else who you don't deal with or don't deal with in that way. That's a problem. Yeah. And <laughs> when we when we give up that power, when we, 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 we get to a place where we're focused on this other person and this other thing, what happens is we end up focusing a lot on drama, right? Like the, the friction that me and my metamor have and like, oh, what conversations you're having with your partner and this, that, and the other. And we spend a lot of time focused on the drama and, you know, the things that are really not the problem and we're not looking for actual solutions, right? We're spending the time creating new problems and focusing on uh, the behaviors of someone who's not in this relationship versus actually looking at, well, what's going on here? Like, for example, we were talking about like the, t the time thing. Rather than us taking a look and really sitting down and, and, and having a discussion about my needs and your schedule and how we're breaking that down, I'm focused on this other person and what they're doing and what they're thinking and what they're feeling, right? So it ends up being a lot more of a focus on the needless confrontation versus actually hammering down and figuring out solutions to problems that we as a dyad need to be tackling. So blaming your metamorph for your, your problems, making them the boogeyman, whether you're the hinge, whether you're one of the, the vertexes, it feels good in the moment, but it, 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 it isn't accurate and it doesn't work. It's giving up your power and your agency in the relationship. So then what is like the truth around it? And what do you do? And the real truth is this has, when, when there's problems in our relationship, it's never about the metamor. Your metamor isn't the problem. It's about you and your partner. And we'll, we'll talk about the practical ends around this here in just a minute. But at the break, I want you to understand that just from the, the, the principle perspective, like the way you need to understand this and look at this, if you want to have thriving relationships is that if there's a challenge between us, it is never about your metamor. When we're working with clients and they have things going between them, we never let them blame that on their metamor because they're not going to get anywhere. There's nothing they can do at that point. Right? If you feel like your metamor is in control of your relationship, either you or your partner are doing something wrong. So where do you want to go from here? I want to talk about how this actually plays out practically in a couple of ways where people typically think that their metamor is the problem. Time's an easy example. Let's start with time. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about time and how people think about that and what really is the thing that needs to be done? So what we see a lot is people blaming their metamor because their metamor wants more time or their metamor is getting more time or I'm not feeling like uh, my needs around time are being respected because of this person. Now, 
if you go back to what Josh just said, none of that's my metamorphs fault, but I'm telling you the, the place that people start from, right, is because my metamorph is getting more time than me, my metamorph it has lots of demands for time, I'm not getting the time that I want, and uh, I don't feel like my needs around time are being respected because you're, you're more focused on giving my metamorph the time that they're asking for, mm -hmm. okay? So that's how that plays out a lot. And what really needs to happen there is a couple of things, and you can chime in whenever you want. But mm -hmm. the, the first thing is, is that me and you need to be able to sit down and have a conversation around my needs. That means that we actually have to be able to use good communication, sit down and discuss my needs around time. Can we keep using you as the hinge partner in our examples? Because I feel like we've been doing it the whole time and it's just going to be less confusing <laughs> okay. for people if okay. we do than switching. Fair, fair enough. So then we need to sit down and really talk about your needs for time, right? The, the, the time that you need and um, what, you know, what good good quality time is spending together, things like that. Like we need to have a conversation around, you know, your, your time needs and what that looks like and start from that place of your needs versus what this other person is getting. Right. And um, then, and then we actually need to take a look at the schedule and see if that is something that is doable. If there's, if there's a way to make that work. But this is the most important piece of this. Whose responsibility is it to balance time in this situation, in this scenario? Mine. Yours. Because I have this part. It's and I have yours. This part. You mean it's your responsibility to balance what you're doing with your time and not this other person over here? Yep. Just like it's your responsibility to tell me that you have problems with time and what you need. Huh. It's not theirs. Can't I just blame them and not say anything to you? No. Huh. Can't when you don't give that to me, I just blame it on this person and be like, Cassie has no agency and no control over her own time and what she does with it. And it's obviously this other person's fault for demanding more. Can't do that either. Huh. Yeah. That means we're actually going to have to figure something out. And, and, and I agree with that, but also, <laughs> and this is just when we're talking to people, right? Like when you're the hinge, a lot of the responsibility for managing this stuff falls on you. It doesn't, which doesn't listen. And I'm not saying like, if I'm out here and I'm at the vertex, that that is any less of my responsibility for having these conversations, for advocating for what I want to need, for not blaming the other person, for making it happen in our relationship. But the one who has to balance their time is Cassie mm -hmm. because she's the one who's dividing her time. Can I, can I put it in terms that I, I, I tell our clients a sure. lot? When you are in a V situation, the people on the outside of the V, it is up to you to present your needs, your wants, to handle your own internal emotions around it, and to bring that to the hinge partner, right? As the hinge partner, it is your job to hear those things and then to sort it out and actually come up with the plan, the, the planning around making those things happen, mm. right? So like, it's, it's the people on the outside's uh, job to bring their needs, their wants, their concerns, and it's the person who's in that, that hinge, right, to actually coordinate to make those things happen that have been discussed. So let's run through a couple other examples. Okay, so I as the hinge... Um, Hmm. Well, you said we're going to keep me as the hinge. Yeah, sorry. I as, I, I'm, I'm out here as the vertex. Vertex is such a weird word. Vertex? Vertex? It's vertex, right? Vertex. There's a vertex to hinge. I don't know. I always say the person on the outside of yeah, the V. Yeah, I'm going to do that easier. too. So uh, as the person on the outside of the V, as one of the legs of the V. There you we go. go. Right? <laughs> um, I, you're having intimacy with this other partner and I'm feeling jealous about the amount of intimacy that they're getting because I don't feel like my needs are being met, right? But also like you're doing some things with this other person that you don't do with me and maybe even that I've asked for before and now I'm feeling jealous. Now what? So again, there's going to need to be on this, my part. Is it, is it this? It's, it's their fault. N no, oh. no, it's not their fault. That's as sexy as they are, as an amazing partner as they are, it's still not their fault. Um, but they're taking that away from me because they're getting it. No, no, they didn't take it. I just didn't give it to you. And, and chances are you probably weren't giving it to me before either. And so what this comes down to is, again, from a place of like what your needs are, your wants are, 
and tackling some of this, right? And here's, here's the thing. Quite often, because you mentioned you're doing these things with this other person that you're not doing with me, often we have things in our relationship from our past, from uh, us having poor communication, us having arguments, maybe there's been some uh, negative interactions around sex between the two of us. And now those things aren't happening. So we first need to have a conversation around our needs and our wants, but we also have to have a plan on how to correct and heal maybe some of the things that have happened mm. and have a plan for moving forward to getting to a place where our intimacy is back up to the place that we want it to be. Okay, but... All of that was we. Yeah. At, at, but at, at the end of the day... Um, If you want to have sex with this person more than me, or you have certain activities, and, and we do see this a lot with like, you know, especially people where there's overlap with like the kink community, right? Like you have activities that you want to do with this person that you don't want to do with me. That's totally their fault. No, no, it's not. It's not their fault. But they're, they're asking you for it. Yeah, but I want to do it. Oh. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm a person with my own agency and ability to make my own decisions. Okay, two more of these. Um, <laughs> and we're kind of joking, but these are things we see all the time. Yeah. Now, I'm going to throw a third one here. And I think this is actually, I think this is the trickiest to separate out, like, where the responsibility lies on this. I think this is one place people get stuck. You have another partner, and they're really disrespectful to me. Oh, yeah. So, now what? Well, their behavior is definitely their problem, right? Because they're a human and they shouldn't be a jerk. But in impacting you, it's my problem. It's what I'm tolerating when I have my partner over and I see that they're rolling their eyes at you and slamming cabinets when you're around or... Um, saying snarky shit. Saying snarky shit, right? That, that's on me to handle. If I'm seeing either one of my partners interacting with my other partner in a disrespectful manner, then I need to say something to that partner and, and say, hey, that's not, that's not acceptable, right? And here's the thing. This is where people get like a little like, they get this mess up. My partner doesn't, my, my partner's partner doesn't have to like me. Your metamor does not have to be your bestie, doesn't have to give you high fives when they're walking through the living room, right? Like, but there has to be a level of respect that as the hinge partner, you are not going to tolerate either one of your partners doing, right? Like saying disrespectful things, rolling eyes, talking shit about each other. Like that's a place where you have to manage that. This is especially true, by the way, um, when you're bringing somebody into a home that you share with another partner. This is something we see a lot. And this, you know, it doesn't matter what the length of the relationship is or anything. But if, if we have a home that we share, right? And Cassie now wants to bring her other partner into that home. And assuming we have agreements around all that, that's fine. But Cassie's now bringing that person into my home, into my space. And it's now Cassie's job to make sure that this person is respectful. Isn't like going through your uh, toiletries and like squeezing out your toothpaste just to be a jerk. True story. Um, isn't saying nasty things to you. Isn't um, disruptive, you know, as far as like intentionally disruptive when you're trying to work. Things like that. Like the person that you're bringing in needs to be treating the people in that dwelling with mutual respect. And if they're refusing to be respectful, then as the hinge partner, it's your responsibility to either ditch them or to manage things in such a way that they're not having to interact with your other partner. And it might not start at either one of those extremes. It might it might start with a conversation that's like, "Hey, yeah, hundred percent. This is not this is not something that's going to happen here, right? Like this is what needs to happen, right? 
And you may start off with that conversation and making a very firm conversation. And it doesn't mean the nuclear option of necessarily, as you said, getting rid of the partner. It might mean if you can't, you know, for me talking to my, my partner, my invisible partner over here, right? It might be, well, you can't come to my house. Like you can't come over or you can't be at my house when, when Josh is off. Like when Josh is home, like, you know, we, we've tried this a couple of times and you're just not showing up in a, in a friend, in, in a civil manner, right? <clears throat> I'm not going to have you over at my house when you're going to, I know you're going to have to interact with Josh. Mm. Right. So there, there's often many solutions to these things, but recognizing who needs to be the person who is uh, the pressure for change, the person who needs to actually be the, the solution finder is the important thing right? There's, it's, it's not one size fits all in a lot of these situations, but it does come down to recognizing who is the person or persons who are responsible for driving the change and making, uh, and, and finding the solutions. And then in that, that same scenario, right. As one of the legs here, like what's my responsibility? Well, a couple of things. Number one, obviously communicating to Cassie that I'm feeling disrespected and what I would need to feel respected. Right. Number two, I can talk to the hinge partner. This is a place that I can actually talk to the the other leg. I can talk to my metamore about and say, hey, I'm feeling disrespected, here's why. And if you want to, that's fine. But it's also, again, not my responsibility, right? It's Cassie's. Like if you wanna do that and you wanna, you know, like that would make you feel like you're standing up for yourself or that's just how you wanna communicate, like that's fine. But at the end of the day, managing that is Cassie's responsibility because from my side, Again, I really can't do anything except lay down an ultimatum. And ultimatums don't really work. And we talked about that before. I'm not going to go into that in depth here. There is a third thing, though, that I recommend, because I do see this happen quite a bit, is if I'm out here and I'm feeling disrespected, you know, I do just want you to really evaluate if it is actually disrespect. A lot of times what happens is disrespect becomes another one of those places that's easier to hide in of being like, this person disrespects me instead of... I have hard feelings about them. Maybe they have hard feelings about me and we interact poorly or we're uncomfortable around each other where it makes me feel uncomfortable when they're here. It's easy to be like, oh, that's disrespect. So I really want you to examine that for yourself. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just chime in and say, we often see this happen when uh, there's metamors who just don't really like each other, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, you're not my person. Like, I would not hang out with you if it wasn't for our shared partner. And um, there ends up being this hard feelings because you you have this idea of what your relationship should look like. Like, you should be my friend. You should be, like, we should be able to sit down and eat popcorn and watch movies together and both hang on our mutual partner and it be fun and exciting. And that's not always the case. So recognizing what is actually active disrespect versus not friendliness or not what you pictured, you know, or what you had pictured as far as like what you wanted uh, your interactions to be or that, as you said, that uncomfortableness, there's a big difference there. And just also as the hinge, like a lot of times we see a, a, a desire to try to force the legs of the relationship to be friendly, to have that kitchen table poly situation. And, you know, I understand this is what a lot of people want. And you also have to understand that there's plenty of times that isn't going to happen, right? You're going to date people who are either too different from your existing partners or too like your existing partners, or they just don't get along. Or you have partners who just don't want to interact that way with their metamors, which is totally fine too. And that's fine. But you have to deal with that instead of trying to force a relationship at that point, because then it will usually go downhill. Right. But you do need that basic level of respect. That that force will cause more problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that force does not fix the problems. Last piece. Cassie, you have this other person in your life mm -hmm. and that relationship's awesome and amazing and you're super happy there. And I'm looking at our relationship and what that looks like. And I'm feeling insecure. And like this other person is going to tear us apart. Man, even just the phrasing of that. But what now, Cassie? Well, obviously it's their fault. No. Um, here, here's, here's the thing. Go Can I say one thing before you do? Yeah. How wild is that? That we even talk, even think about it in terms of this other person 
is going to tear us apart. But that's not about us. That's about them. How wild is that? When you put it like that, it's, 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 it, yeah, that's, that's some, that's some mad talk there. So here's the thing. It's not about how good your partner's other relationships are. It comes down to how good is the relationship you and your partner have? Hmm. How solid is that relationship? How good is the foundation that you have? Because this other person as we've discussed over and over again, doesn't have that much power. They don't have the ability to to come in and and, and tear your your relationship apart. And I'll even play the game and say, if they even had some power, how like frail is your relationship that somebody else could come in and just break it apart? Yeah. Nobody can steal your partner. Your partner has to choose to leave. That has nothing to do with their relationship with this person, everything to do with your relationship. And look, it's really normal, right? Again, it's really normal to be in a spot where, especially if it's something where we've been together a while, maybe, and we have some bad history, we have some bad patterns we build up, our relationship's kind of stale, the connection isn't there anymore, we don't communicate well, the intimacy's fallen off, and now all of a sudden our partner has this, this, this other person in their life, and it seems like they have more in common, and our partner's more excited to spend time with them, and you know maybe our sex life's been super lackluster, but their intimacy's through the roof, and they're trying all this crazy new stuff, and all this stuff, and it's so easy to look at that and go, oh my God, this person, they're gonna steal my partner away. They're a threat. You should immediately go to, oh my God, how weak is our relationship? What does that say about what's here? If that's what I'm worried about. Listen, it's it's a perfectly normal worry to have, but it isn't a sign of anything to do with this person. It's a sign of what's going on between you, of where your communication is at, of where your intimacy at, of where your connection is at. Like it's perfectly normal for a new relationship to shine a magnifying glass on all the areas in your relationship that are lackluster or that suck. Like that's normal. That is completely normal to happen. But the answer isn't to go, oh my God, this person is going to steal my partner away. The answer is to look at that and, and, Look at that magnifying lesson. Look at all the things in your relationship that aren't where you want them to be. And go, oh my God, how can I get that? How can I fix this? How can I get to a point where we're communicating well and I'm feeling heard here? How can I get to where we're connected and like my partner enjoys coming home and enjoys spending time with me again? How can I get to a point where my partner wants to ravish me and have that intimacy with me? Like what needs to change here? What needs to change here that our relationship is good enough and solid enough and secure enough that sure, my partner has this other person, these other people in their life, but I'm not afraid of anybody stealing them away from me because what we have is awesome. So of course, because it isn't about stealing, of course my partner wouldn't choose to leave me or choose to devalue our relationship because what we have is amazing. What about that? A little bit of a rant there. (laughs) Go ahead. And, and And the great, amazing thing about this is that when you recognize it's about what do we need to do to do those things, right? When your relationship is in that place where it's thriving and things are going well, then really when there's this other person over there and there's a hiccup like not enough time or a hiccup like we need to change scheduling, then it's just a conversation about tweaking something on a calendar. That's all it is. When our relationship is solid, these little hiccups that come up because the more people we have in our lives, the more little things that we have to like deal with. When our relationship is solid, it's literally just a small little bloop on the radar. It's a small, tiny little conversation that's a little tweak here and there. Yeah. And that's the real beautiful thing about it. 100%. 100%. So folks, here's the thing, and we're going to wrap up here, um, but it isn't about your metamor. It isn't about your metamor. 
if, like I said, if you feel like your metamorphs in control of your relationship, you're doing something wrong. Your partner's doing something wrong. Your metamorph is not the problem. They're an easy bogeyman. They're an easy person to blame, whether I'm one of the legs, whether I'm the hinge. It's an easy thing to do, but it isn't accurate. It doesn't work. It creates rivalry. And more important, it takes the power away in your relationship. If there's something that's going on here that I'm unhappy with, the thing to focus on is what needs to change here. It's what needs to be fixed between us. How do we get that passion? How do we get that intimacy? How do we get to a point where a partner wants to spend time with us? How do we navigate these differences around time or navigate the schedules? But at the end of the day, the responsibility to do that, it lies here. It doesn't lie with some third person. And when you grasp that, you can stop giving up your power and realize that you have the control over your own relationships. You have the agency in your own relationships, right? What we build together isn't based on anybody else. It's based on us. And if we want to have a thriving relationship, a loving relationship where there's time and there's intimacy and there's connection, it isn't about booting somebody else out. It's about healing what we have. And if you want to do that and you need some help, go ahead, book a call, right? This is exactly what we do. We help people navigate these challenges. We help people solve these problems in their non-monogamous relationships, the things going on with their metamors, with balancing things, but more importantly, figuring out what is really going on between us and what needs to change to get to that loving, thriving relationship. So you can go to a touchflavor.com forward slash talk. That'll take you to our calendar, right? You grab up a time um, to talk with one of us. And as you go through, like we'll dive in on that call and we'll get you crystal clear on what is not working in your relationship. Where do you have that control? What can you change to get that connection and that intimacy and that love that you want between you and to get that security that you know nobody's stepping in between you? Right. So you can go there. You can grab a time and take it to a short little form that we need to kind of prep, fill that out. And then one of us will get on with you at the time that you picked. It'll be the best hour you've ever spent on your relationships. Because again, this isn't about anybody else. This is about your relationship and you being solid, whatever that dyad is <laughs> or your group is, and you being solid and being in a place where nothing else can tear you apart. Anything else, Cassie? No, that's it. I think that wraps us up for today. All right, everybody. Great talking to you. We'll see you next show. Hopefully we'll be a little more, a little more lively and we'll mm -hmm. talk to you then. Thanks for tuning into today's show. We release new episodes every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you're ready to transform your relationship and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with us, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about an hour and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. What's really not working in your relationships, what your dream relationships would look like, and a step-by-step -step plan to close the gap and save your family even if nothing has worked before. We talk with hundreds of non-monogamous folks like you every year. And here's the truth. Building loving, thriving relationships, that doesn't happen on its own. You need expert guidance to make that happen. And unfortunately, when you are building relationships outside the box, that's impossible to find. And we get it. But that's exactly what we do. We've helped clients all over the world save their families, get the passion back, and become best friends again. So if you want to see if we can help you do the same, head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk. I'm Cassie. And I'm Josh. Let's talk soon.